Hey, it's great to have you today. Listen, uh, great to have too, Abby and Joel from Australia. Um, Abby was a member of our church for a number of years, uh, felt the call of God with YWAM to go into the world. This Australian grabbed her, uh, he knew quality, and uh, they're, they're there, but they're with YWAM, and uh, they do literally all around the world, just got back from Vietnam, they do worship conferences, they do prayer conferences, and they're going to be leading the service this Wednesday right here, so I hope you'll come. Prayers at 6.30 and the worship's at 7. Uh, did a great job. Hey, I understand a Dwayne Elkins may be here. Dwayne, are you here? If you are, stand up real quick. Uh, Dwayne, well, maybe he's not. They told me yesterday he was going to be. Anyway, uh, Dwayne was sent out from our church, oh, probably 10, 12, 15 years ago in England, and he's pastoring there, and he was home for the day. But I also want to recognize Pastor Sonny Knatzer and his wife, Susan. I want you all to stand this morning. They are have been our friends, Linnell and I, for 30 years, but he's now the president of our church association, Church on the Rock Network of Ministers. But his role, he's kind of a missionary to pastors. He's a pastor's pastor. He's a friend. If we would ever have a crisis in our church that needed outside help, he's one of the guys that would help us. But uh, we're honored that you're with us today. You know, this is a great time of the year to make a spiritual connection. I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you have to get out of the box of normal to go to the next step with God. Uh, we are doing early prayer in the morning, and uh, I, I've gotten to where as I get older, I don't want to get up early. And, uh, but my wife pushed me out of bed a couple days this week and came through that door, 6.30 to 7.30, and I want to tell you what, it, it, it was a good thing. I was glad I came. It, didn't, it not only did something you know, for the world I pray for, but it did something for me. And uh, hopefully you might join us this week right here in the sanctuary. But you know, this is the time of the year where you're thinking about uh, uh, spiritual commitments. You're thinking about, obviously, your presence today, your relationship with God. But uh, uh, this is a very easy church to get involved in. I mean, we, it's easy. It's hard to serve the Lord by yourself, but when you're in synergy with other people, uh, it becomes easy. And all you have to do just after church is go to the connect room uh, right, behind the, uh, right behind us and say, hey, I want to get involved here. What do I, what do I need to do? And they'll, they'll let you know. But uh, the only thing that I'm aware that you have to have an audition is for the music ministry. And I am sad to say that no Miller has ever been invited to audition <laughs> in the music ministry. So I knew my family wouldn't get an invitation from Pastor Zach, so I decided to give you a video of a potential drum player for our church. And I want you to take a peek. Now, it happens to be my grandson, but I want you to just listen. Look at that rhythm. He's got moves. What do you think? What do you think? Should he be in the booth? Come on, let's have a church vote. What do you think? Should we invite him to be on a worship team? All right. <laughs> hey, look behind me just a second. That contraption, well, you know what it is. Anybody know what it is? Yeah, it's called, it's called a foropter. Kind of sounds like a dinosaur, a foropter. But anyway, you know, the optometrist uses it to test our vision. It is an adjustable machine that takes different lenses. Every time you hear it click, he's adjusting lenses inside this machine because his goal is to help you see clearly. 
And seeing clearly is what we call 20-20 vision, which means in the natural that you can read an eye chart at 20 feet. But yet, how many know some people don't have 20-20 vision? If you have 2200, you're legally blind and they can't help you. And this is what that looks like. Um, let's imagine going in a convenience store, and that's not a piece of glass per se. On the left is what most people are able to see, either naturally or through the use of glasses. But a person with uh, 2200, that's the best they can do. I mean, they may have to get up and squint hard. And I share that with you, not to encourage you to go to your local eye doctor, but I share that because there is a spiritual parallel. People with 20-20 spiritual vision live according to God's pattern and plan for our life. They live according to the Bible. Spiritually blind people either don't know or don't care about how God wants them to live. And what I want to do in the next few Sundays, actually the month of January in 2020, I want to help you have spiritual vision, 2020 vision, for the four most important areas in your life. First and foremost, 2020 vision for your relationship with God. Next week we'll talk about God's vision, 2020 vision for your home. Those people that gathered with you around Thanksgiving or Christmas. Then we'll talk about 2020 vision for our church family. How God wants you in a spiritual family. And lastly, we'll talk about God's vision for our job. That which occupies most of our time. That's where our resources come from. How many know God has an idea for how we're to behave and function on our mission field? I suggest if you take... These are our four biggies in life. If you add to this uh, having fun. How many know having fun is no problem? Nobody has to tell me if I want to have some fun, go work in the yard or go turkey hunting or go duck hunting, you know, things. That comes natural. But if I'll build my life on the right foundation with God's vision for my relationship with Him, my relationship in my family and in my home, my relationship in my job where my time goes, and lastly, my relationship in my church family, I I, I think you'll have one of the greatest years of your life. As I I, uh, asked the Lord and prayed about what to share with you on this first weekend of the new year, I thought, well, perhaps, uh, you know, I might share something inspiring about our hopes for our new relocation at Gander Mountain and, you know, God has good things and all that. I, I, I didn't think that was God's will. I felt God wanted me to challenge you about what is the most important thing in your life that will affect everything else, and that is having 20-20 vision for your personal relationship with God. You see, our relationship with God determines everything else. My relationship with God is one of the main reasons I've been married to Linnell 35 years. My relationship with God is one of the main reasons that I have kept myself pure as I've been your pastor for 30, almost 30 years. My relationship with God is the reason I tell the truth and don't lie. Are you with me today? My relationship with God is why I ask someone to forgive me when I've done wrong or when I've hurt them. Our relationship with God determines everything else. And what I want to do in this message, I want to pause on that thought and talk about why our relationship with God is so important and should so define us. And then I want to give you five practical things where you, how you re- and I relate to God to make our relationship more real and more meaningful in our lives. The first one will be as we relate to God through our obedience to His commandments. We'll talk about relating to God through our service. We'll talk about relating to God through our worship, our gratitude. Our adoration. Uh, We'll talk about relating to God uh, in our material world. And lastly, we'll talk about relating what I call having face time with God. So let's begin today. We are are talking about uh, the title of the message is 2020 Vision in My Relationship with God. 
Let's begin, if you see on, this, on the, actually this center screen, there's always a, a phrase that we put, and here you see it, there's nothing more important than our relationship with God. Uh, every one of my messages, they try to put this up here, and that's in a one-sentence statement what I hope this message means to you. There is nothing more important, but my question to you is, is it true? Is it true that there's nothing more important in my life? Not in an absolute sense, but am I living that way? Am I living with an awareness that there is a God? Am I living with an awareness that God not only created the world, but God had His hand in my creation? Secularists would tell us today that all we are is the product of of conception of a sperm and an egg. But God is the one that gave us our spirit to live. God is the one that marked the days of our life. There is a God that is not only involved in creating us, but in sustaining the world. God is the one that is behind the forces of gravity. God is the one that's behind the forces of aerodynamics. God is the one that makes this world exist and stay on its axis. But God is also the one to whom one day I will stand before His judge. The Bible teaches us that one day we'll all give an account before God. One day we will answer to God for the way we've lived our lives. Uh, if you have health and wealth, many people ignore that truth today. Many people, as long as they've got money and feel pretty good, they live like they don't need God. But my friends, one day we will stand before Him. And how many know it's always better to live with the end in mind if you know what that end is? Um, here's what Romans chapter 2 says. It says that God will render to each one of us according to His works. In other words, what we've done on this earth, there is a judgment day that's coming. And then He gives two things that will happen. Number one, those who by patience and well-doing. When I do this, I'm not scratching my ear. I want you to tell me what that next word is. Okay, so let's try again. Those who by patience and well-doing, living the Christian life, serving the Lord, uh, being the person He wants you to be, well, they're going to seeking glory, honor, and immortality, which the Bible says God will give us eternal life. But there is a flip side. Those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, bad news, there'll be wrath and fury. This is sobering. Corinthians adds to this, and Paul said that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. In other words, don't just live for, in my case, a nicer garden paying off my home, uh, keeping my truck clean, uh, going duck hunting as much as I can. I mean, no, those are all important things. But none of this has eternal value. None of it. I don't care what trophy I get. I don't care what raise I get at work. I don't care uh, if they name a street after me in Texas, in Texas. None of that lasts forever. But our relationship with God does. We're looking at, uh, it goes on to say, what is seen is temporary, But what is unseen is is eternal. Life on earth is temporary, friends, but our relationship with God will last forever. And a wise person lives today with eternity in mind. Punch your neighbor and say, he's telling us the truth today. Uh, This is why relationship with God is so important. This is why I'm talking to you about your relationship with God today. Obviously, there is a starting place for relationship with God. That's what the Bible calls being born again, being saved. A spiritual rebirth. I'll give you an opportunity at the end of the service to pray with you if you don't have a relationship with God. But there is a starting place. And there was a, uh, if you know much about philosophy, if you've ever heard of Pascal's Wager, 
Blaise Pascal lived in the 17th centuries. He was a French philosopher, mathematician, and a physicist. He's a smart guy. And here's what he said. We as human beings bet with our lives and our eternal soul that God either exists or he doesn't exist. It's a gamble people take. And he argued that a rational person should live as though God exists and believe in God. Because if God exists, you're only going to have a small, finite loss. In other words, if you live the right way, you may miss some pleasures in life. You may miss an adulterous affair. If you live for God, you may not steal and you may not have as much money. But it's a small loss. It is compared what you'll receive infinite gains in eternity in heaven and avoid infinite losses in a real place called hell. And this is another reason why my number one priority in 2020 should be my relationship with God. So let's get to the very practical part. Now, I'm going to give you five things that are worth writing down. Of course, our notes are online. You can listen to all this online. But how I express this priority. You say, okay, preacher, I'll buy it. That I'm supposed to have a relationship with God as my number one priority. But this is not a feeling I'm talking about. This is not something inside that just, you know, oh, I want to be close to God. Uh, It's a practical expression of our life. And again, we're going to talk about our obedience to His commandments, our service to the Lord, our gratitude, our stewardship, and what I'm calling daily face time with God. So let's begin. Uh, This first way that I can establish and strengthen a relationship with God is in 2020, I'm going to obey His commandments. Now, the Bible is God's Word. Uh, That's a heavy statement. We could just pause right there and let it impact us. When we say it's God's Word, it's a source of history. All the time, archaeologists find uh, things in the Middle East, uh, the Near East, that line up with the Bible. They find things all the time that uh, support the Scripture. So the Bible is certainly a book of history, but it it goes further. Uh, The Bible declares of itself it is truth. It is the source of doctrine, which is another way of saying right thinking. Uh, It is a source of our theology or our understanding of God. But here's something else the Bible is. The Bible contains God's commandments or God's boundaries. Uh, The first use of the word commandment in the Bible is before the law was written. Usually when I think of commandments, I think of constraints. I think of, you know, don't do this and do that. But I want to give you a little different perspective. Um, I've raised three kids. They're all doing great. I love them all. But when my kids were, were little, I gave them commandments. And there were some commandments that weren't going to be broken. You say, really? I sure was. I told them not to touch a hot stove. I told my kids not to go out in the street because a car could run over them. Now, they had no idea what a car was. All they knew, it was fun to run from dad or whatever. But I had things that I would tell my kids that weren't there to constrain them but we're there to help them. And it was boundaries to live by. How many know if you make the choice to keep yourself sexually pure and you marry someone, you're going to have less temptation to fall away after your marriage? It's just true. My wife has less temptation than I do because I was a wild heathen before I got married and and I married a virgin. Are you with me today? God's ways work better if we try them. Uh, Here's the first mention of the word commandment in the Bible. It's Genesis 26. It was written to Abraham's son Isaac. And the Bible says, "In uh, in Isaac's offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, not because of Isaac, but because his uh, uh, daddy, Abraham, obeyed my voice and kept my commandments. 
Yeah, my statutes and my laws. Again, before the law of Moses was, was given to us, a commandment by definition, a strong word. Of course, the root word is command, but it's a mandate. How about this? It's an order given by God. It's an order given by one of authority. And I suggest to you that the starting place of becoming a Christian is submitting to the authority of Christ. It's recognizing that there is a God and, and, and I'm not Him. Now, uh, God blesses those who obey His commands. But when we rebel against them, there's a curse in our life. You don't believe it's true? Read the story of Adam and Eve. How many know they didn't obey God's command and they suffered and caused all of us to suffer? But yet you look at the historical figure of, of Noah. Uh, Noah uh, was a righteous man, a godly man. If you ever wonder why there's fossils on tops of mountains, maybe it's just because the Bible's true. Maybe it's because a flood did cover the earth. Well, guess who was in that boat? Noah was in the boat because the Bible says he obeyed what God commanded and he saved his family. So there's a principle in the Bible that God blesses our obedience when we obey his commands. But when we walk away from God's commands or rebel, there's a curse that's in our life. And as a rule, here's what you find in life. If you will obey God's commandments, the scripture says this, stay on the path that the Lord has commanded you to follow and you'll have a long and prosperous life. And God's commandments, I want to encourage you to see them, just like my words to my kids. When I told my kids, stay out of the street, a car could run over you. Uh, you know, don't just eat Fruit Loops three times a day. You know, eat your vegetables. These were not words of a mean ogre. These were words intended to help them enjoy the life that, uh, that uh, Dad wanted them to have. Now, there's two motivations for obeying God's commands. The first one, you felt it in this part of the message. It's because we fear God. Maybe you've never heard of the concept, the fear of God, but the wisest man in the Bible other than Jesus, his name was Solomon, here's what he said after experimenting with every source of pleasure and how to find happiness and meaning. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, here it is, with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, I have a degree, a measure of the fear of God in me, but I've got to tell you, it only takes me so far. How many know when temptation is really pulling, the fear of God tends to diminish? There's something that has a greater motivation for me. It's because we love God. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. John 14, Jesus said, say this with me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Huh. Another place it said, and my commandments won't be burdensome to you. In other words, our Savior is telling us, if you'll live within my boundaries, that shows me that you love me. Uh, let me give you a parallel. How many know uh, marriage is better if you do what your spouse asks you to do? Come on, all the fellas. It just is. It's better, and this is not a command when your wife says, take the garbage out. Don't think of it that way, but just think of your wife asking you to do something, and you do it. How many know, ladies, life is better when you do what your husband asks you to do? And my wife and I, we've been married 35 years. Uh, we've never, 36, sorry, honey. It seems like 35. My life has just gone by so quickly. Uh, we, we, we've never been uh, uh, to the domestic violence center. We've never been, you know. Uh, I think my kids would tell you, mom and dad, maybe once or twice, but we didn't yell at each other. We've always loved each other. Uh, the only major disagreement we have had lately, it's been ongoing, is I have some plants in my garden called a cannabis plant. Not cannabis, but cannabis. 
And my wife thinks they're ugly, and she keeps wanting me to pull them out. So even yesterday, you know, we had a little buck up against each other. I said, if you don't like them, dig them up yourself. <laughs> but, but my point is, I do things to make her happy. Her car is dirty right now, honey. I'll go ahead and tell you. But, but, but I got in it yesterday, and it was dirty. She's going to go to California to see her mom for a few days. Her mom's sick. Well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to clean her car. Not because she told me to do it, because I know it makes her happy. And I want you to see our relationship with God in the same way. That it, obedience is God's love language. But here's something I also know. I can't obey His commandments if I don't know what they are. I can't live God's way if I don't know it. And I won't know what they are if I don't read my Bible. And I want to encourage you as you start this new year, I want to encourage you to commit every day to reading a chapter or two of the Bible. Uh, I have, there's a little picture here. We, we've got a Bible app. You can download it, Church on the Rock, Texarkana. Every day, it's got two chapters. If you can only read one, read Proverbs. I do it virtually every day of my life. I've been a Christian 40 years, and I've never backslidden or fallen away from God. And if I credit it to anything, it's because every day I take some time to be with God and read my Bible. And if I miss a day every once in a while, I pick it up the next day. Listen, start 2020 right. It'll make a difference in your life. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand. Let's look at the second one. In 2020, I'm going to commit, and I'm committing now, that I'm going to use my time, my talent, and my treasure to serve the Lord. Now listen to what Paul said in Romans. He said, never be lazy, but work hard and... Read my lips. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Now, in, in, in Greek grammar... These are not three separate, he's in three things. He's not saying don't be lazy at work, work hard. What he's saying is serve the Lord. Don't be lazy serving the Lord. Work hard serving the Lord. And you can find enthusiasm in doing it. Now, that sounds great for the preacher to say that, but why did Paul write that? You know, Paul at one time, Paul was once religious. He was a religious guy, but he was lost. And he had this incredible encounter with Christ when Jesus literally changed his life. He was literally going out. His name was Saul. He was killing Christians, thought he was doing God a favor, just like the Muslims do in their jihads today. And he thought he was doing, and God, he met God. He became a Christian. And then everything turned around. God gave him a new life, and he said thank you to God for the rest of his life by serving the Lord. And I want to encourage you in this today. At 2020, you and I stand on the door of opportunity and choice. Uh, we all have jobs, you know, that we work at. But outside of our job, it's pretty much we can do whatever we want to in life. And I'm going to encourage you to be very deliberate and very strategic about doing things to serve the Lord. Every one of us have time. We've all got 24 hours a day. Let's dedicate some of it to serving the Lord. We've all got talents. We've got things we do well. And you may say, oh, Pastor, I can't do anything. But you just may be able to make the best chicken pot pie on this side of heaven. And could I tell you that when people go to the hospital, the last thing they want to do when they come home is cook. Well, what if you, that became somebody's ministry? By the way, I'm feeling a little ill today. Uh, if that became somebody's ministry and you just made a couple extra chicken pot pies, we put them in the freezer, or you just take them by to somebody's house after they're in the hospital. What that says is God loves you. That is as valid a ministry as what I'm doing right now. Listen. God doesn't compare the preacher, he's a good guy, and what little things that I do by helping a poor kid buy school supplies. God doesn't compare us. God just wants each of us in our sphere of influence to do what we can to make a difference in the world. 
our time, our treasure, and our talent. Listen, when we serve the Lord, eternal significance. You know, I love to work in my yard. It's a passion. I guess I picked it. I was raised on a farm. I picked it up from my grandmother. I've got flowers everywhere, and I've been out in my, my yard just the last couple of days realizing that I'm now in my 60s because that wheelbarrow doesn't go as fast as it used to. Are you with me? But I'm still doing it, and after I put compost on the bed, mulch a bed up real good and give it some fertilizer, I stand back and I walk around it two or three times. It just feels good. But you know what? That's not going to last an eternity. My garden's not going to heaven. The only thing that masters, matters for eternity is what we do for Christ. For example, um, yesterday I said goodbye uh, to my daughter Bethany and her husband Mason. They're going to fulfill four more months of commitment to Africa. Now that's huge. Most people wouldn't make that step. But we've got another missionary in the lobby. They're raising money for an India trip. India's becoming hostile to the gospel. And uh, they're going to go. He's going to go with a pastor that's there and kind of incognito. And is going to be training people, uh, training Christians that are there, helping them in case Christianity becomes illegal like it is in China now. But they just called him on the phone and said, would you go for three weeks? So he's taking time. We can invest in things like that. Listen, uh, uh, Monday is our day off. And my wife asked me, she said, do you care if I go to the hospital? One of my dear friends, uh, her brother, is having uh, open-heart surgery. And I said, well, honey, it's your day off. She said, I know, but she needs me. Well, guess what she did? She did a good work. She's serving the Lord. I, I was, and this is not just huge, huge things. At Christmas time, when you adopted a child that wouldn't have a Christmas, and we gave him a gift in the name of the Lord, when we sent a present to a missionary, how many know these are things that last for eternity? This little Bible globe over here, uh, I just ask people to put a dollar in, a dollar a week. Uh, and whenever we hit $1,000, we buy Bibles somewhere around the world. We just sent $1,000 to Nepal that is hostile to the gospel, but it'll buy, I don't know what, probably 200 Bibles there in Nepal for Christians that don't have Bibles. Well, what did a do was a dollar? Listen, a dollar's nothing anymore. Little things that we do to serve the Lord make a great impact. I thought about you, Pastor Travis, how well you're doing after your kidney surgery. We're so happy. We're so happy. I had a kidney transplant. A uh, young man with such a great grace on his life, but had a kidney that wouldn't work. Well, uh, his, his, we put out, or his family put out, uh, asking people, solicitations, anybody that would donate a kidney. And he had dozens of people that offered him. None of them worked out. But there was a Christian that he didn't even know that was praying and said he felt the Lord tell him to donate a kidney to somebody. He didn't even know Travis. And God hooked the two of them together. Well, guess what he did? He served the Lord. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is paint a picture. Is from chicken pot pie to kidneys to India to whatever. <laughs> there are ways that we do things in the name of Christ for Christ that have eternal significance. Let 2020 be a year that we, we serve him. Listen, like I said, it's easy to get involved. If you want to lead a group, listen, go across the hall after church, get a leadership application. We've got to get it off in about a week or so. Uh, uh, if you want to serve somewhere, go in connect room, tell them I'm ready to get involved. Our only restriction on that is working with children. We want somebody to be here about six months and do background checks and make sure we've done everything to, to keep our kids safe. But let 2020 be a year, come on now, where we're going to serve the Lord. Give him a good hand today. <laughs> Go to Acts 28. Let me give you probably the most practical one that costs you absolutely nothing. But in 2020, I, I want to express my gratitude to God 
every day. Now, the word gratitude, it means to be grateful and express appreciation to God for what he's done for us. Let's dig a little deeper. Acts 28, Paul the Apostle now, he's in Rome. He said, the believers in Rome uh, heard that we were there and they came out to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he was encouraged and he thanked them. Is that what it says? No, what's it say? He thanked God. So he got over there. He found some good friends. And he said, thank you, God. See, that's what we did in our worship earlier. We expressed our gratitude to God. But a specific thing that I can do every day is saying thank you to God. Listen, I want to recognize God's hand in my life in every way. There's a scripture that goes deeper and deeper in my heart. It's actually Acts 17. It was when Paul was in a pagan place, and it was actually written by a pagan uh, poet, but yet Paul brought its true meaning to Christ. It says, in him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. Which means everything I am, everything I have, and everything I can do is because of Jesus. Uh, Where does the oxygen that we need to breathe, that we cannot see and cannot create, where does it come from? comes from God. Where does the force of gravity that would cause you to fly in the air in space but stay attached to the earth, where does that come from? God. See, everything in, where does our food come from? You say Cracker Barrel. No, (laughs) Cracker Barrel is an intermediary. It comes from God. See, God is the source of, why is my heart continuing to beat? I can't control it. It's unconscious. You see, God is the source of everything. And how many know if we will pause every day? And that's why when we pray over a meal, I don't pray for that uh, God would help the USDA keep my food free from E. coli. They do a pretty good job on that every once in a while. It's an outbreak. Let me tell you why I pray over my food every time I thank God. And it's just a little reminder that all the good things in my life are from him. Come on, give him a big hand today. Let me give you another one, very practical. In 2020, I'm going to make my pursuit of God more important than money and material things. Now, I didn't say instead of. I said more important than. You know the greatest commandment in the whole Bible? Anybody know it? It's to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It was in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The greatest commandment in all the Bible is to love God with all our heart. But there's a competitor that wants to move God from first to second. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Jesus said, wherever your treasure or your wealth is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Whether it's the duck blind or whether it's the mission field. And again, nothing wrong with duck blinds now. The issue is not, do I have them or do I not? The issue is, is God first or is God second? And then Jesus said something that that is just profound. Nobody can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And what this literally means is our spiritual life and our material world are connected. They're In competition with each other, and only one can be first. Well, guess what? I choose to make God first. I still have a wonderful life. I still enjoy things. I get to pick out my own Christmas presents. (laughs) I have a great life. It's not God or things. It's just God first. Let me tell you something. I've been a Christian um, 
40 years. And I've found that the best way to keep God first is to keep him first in my material world. And I do it, as the Bible teaches, by the practice of tithing. I tithe to the house of the Lord. What is that? That's 10% of whatever God gives me, I bring to him. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying this today because we want or need your money. Last week, we had the greatest offering in the history of the church. The history of the church last week. Listen, we'll take a, a chunk of that, probably 20000 or so, and that'll be our tithe, and we'll put that in our missions account. Most of the rest of it will go towards Gander Mountain. I'm not getting a cut of it. I'm not getting a commission. Let me tell you what's happening, friends. It's not because we need your money. If you want this to happen in your life, put God first in your finances. And if you still doubt that I just am after you for something, give it somewhere else. Don't give it here. But practice it in your life, and you will find not only your material world being better, but your heart for God will change because you have severed one of the greatest idols there are in America today. I'm preaching better than you're amening. Uh, listen to what Leviticus 27 says. A tithe or a tenth of everything from the land. They were farmers. It belongs to the Lord. That's a big word. It is holy to the Lord. So whatever I receive, listen, it's not all mine. 90%, and what it does is it recognizes the Lordship of Christ. Here's something I learned. I used to kind of, when all you did was pay bills was with checks or cashier's checks or whatever, in that day, the tithe was just one of a lot of checks that I'd write. But you know what's had a greater impact on my life? My tithe is the first check I write. Because it's not just that the tenth is God's. It's the first and best that I have. Something happens in my heart. Because here's a promise. Uh, Jesus made a promise to take care of us if we put him first. I found in my life that God can make the 90% go farther than, with his blessing than the 100% would go without it. Listen to what Jesus said, because Jesus made a promise to take care of us if we put him first. It's a scary world out there. Who, know, who knows if Iran has sleeper cells all over America? Come on now. It just takes a couple good terrorists, put them in some, the Mall of America and a couple other places, and it shuts America down pretty quick. Are you with me today? We've had open borders for a long time, and it's not just South Americans coming across that border. It's people from the Middle East. They're catching known terrorists. I mean, it's a, it's a mess what's happening. Who knows what could happen? And it would be a way to get America's attention. But even if that happens, God is still in control. Listen, Jesus made a promise to take care of us if we put him first. Matthew 6, 31, Jesus said, don't worry about these things. And what he's talking about, the basics of life. Uh... If he was saying this today, he, was, wouldn't, he would probably say, don't worry about your house payment. Don't worry about your car payment. Don't worry about the insurance. You say, oh, great, I don't have to work. That's not what he's saying. He said, don't worry about it. These things, listen now, dominate the thoughts of the unbeliever. Well, we're not unbelievers, we're believers. So what should dominate our thoughts? The kingdom of God. In the Lord's Prayer, before we're taught to pray for daily bread, what do we pray? Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Notice what he says. Your heavenly Father knows your needs. Verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else first. And live righteously and God will give you what you need. Listen, we still work, we still budget, but we trust God to take care of us. Are you with me today? We make this shift because there's something more than getting just bigger and better. Let me know it's God's eternal kingdom, and it'll last forever. And if Jesus gets control of my treasure, 
I can tell you from experience, he'll have control of our hearts. Come on, give him another hand today. I'm going to give you my last point in 2020. And in, in some ways, this is the most important because this affects everything else. I, I, I'm going to say it this way. In 2020, I'm going to have daily face time with God. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. I want you to see the pattern of Jesus' life. Sometimes we think of Jesus and we think, well, he's just this superhero. Well, he was. He's the super of the superheroes. But we forget that he was somehow a man just like us. What brought him success? Why did he do so many good and right things with his life? Here's the key, Mark 135. It was early in the morning. Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Where he prayed. I'm going to suggest it's the secret to his success, and I want to liken it to FaceTime. Let me show you the last little picture here. You know who that is? This happens to be. Now I've got two. My wife says I've got to start showing pictures of little Titus, too. But uh, we talk to Henry all the time. I've got his pictures on my phone, and I've got his pictures on the wall, but it's not as the same. I said last service, I'm envious of Pastor Mike. He's grand, his grandbaby lives next door to him. Pastor Travis has little, three little kids that live in his house. And I asked his middle daughter yesterday. She's about, what, four? Yeah, I said, I, said, I don't have a little baby at my house. You want to come live at my house? And she said, no. <laughs> but when I turn on FaceTime, it's just something happens. It's like the guy that's in Rogers, it's almost like he comes up close. And when you hit FaceTime, you know the little sound the iPhone makes, and when they answer it, it's kind of a zoom, and it comes on, and all of a sudden, adults go crazy. If you can see in the upper right-hand corner, uh, I'm in, they've cut off half of me because Bethany pushed me out of the way, and Linnell's smiling in the back between the two of us. And we're just having the greatest conversation with a little two-year-old. And he's playing this little game, you can't see me, and he's hiding under the covers, and we say, there you are. It's just different than if I went to my billfold or my phone and pulled out a picture. Well, what I want to suggest to you is you can have FaceTime with God. Now, I don't mean you'll see Him with your eyeball, but I mean you'll know in your heart of heart that God is near and God is real. I want to keep going with this scripture. Uh, verse 36, and when you have this FaceTime with God, you say, what do I do? You read your Bible. You pray. Maybe you worship some. You express your gratitude to God. But I want you to look at verse 36. After Jesus is praying now, but all of a sudden the, the doors are knocking. Verse 36, Samuel, Simon and his companions were looking for him, and they found him. He was praying, and they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus, I want you to think about this. Before Jesus met with people or before he did tasks for the day, he spent time with his heavenly Father. And it's perhaps the greatest lesson I could give you today. Before we start our day, spend time with God. And then look at what he said in verse 38. Now, mind you, now he's surrounded by a crowd of people, and they're all pulling on him. Somebody's saying, the mayor wants to meet with you at uh, 8.30, and uh, then the chief of police wants to meet with you at 9, and uh, then uh, Mayor Magdalene wants to meet with you at 9.30. That's what's happening. But look at verse 38. Jesus said, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I have come. So what's the point, Pastor? FaceTime with the Heavenly Father helped him plan and order his day in God's will. And I'm with God in the morning, not just for relationship, but for him to show me what to do. And then I become like a railroad track. 
He's the dominant track, and I'm the one that's going right alongside him. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy, worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? You're going to find that it's not just a matter of getting more things done, but you'll get the right things done if you take face time with God before we start the work week. Now listen, stay focused with me just a second before we go. Next week, we're going to talk about 2020 vision for our family. Because outside of your relationship with God, there's nobody more important than the family, the people that you were with on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, what I want to do today is I want to close with this thought. We don't need glasses to have 2020 spiritual vision. All we need to do is follow the biblical prescription of obedience, of service, of gratitude, of stewardship, and of face time with God. I'm going to take a minute to pray, but I'm going to ask you to do most of the praying because I don't think my prayer would do any good. I think you need to make a decision based on what you've heard from the Word of God today. You came to church this morning because you love God, because you want your life and God to be more meaningful. Put roots to it now. Bow your head just a minute. And let's go to the Lord. Could we just start with that first one, gratitude? Why don't you just say thank you, Lord? Come on, just say thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you to just say it to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for letting me live. Thank you for not throwing me away. Thank you for caring about me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me people that care about me. Thank you, Lord, for what I have. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for my life. Come on, just keep adding to it, friend. Thank you, Lord, that I have hope for tomorrow. All I am and all I have and all I can do is because of you, Jesus. And I want this pattern to dominate my thoughts this year. I'm going to give you the praise and say thanks that you're due. But I don't want to stop there, Lord. I want to obey your commandments. Now, this is one you're going to have to pray because nobody can make you do it. Lord, I want to live by the Word of God. I I, I want to make a commitment that I'm going to do my best every day to read my Bible. I'm going to get that Bible app or whatever, and and I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible every day. I'm going to learn learn your Word. But Lord, I want to obey your Word. I do fear you, God, but more than I fear you, I love you. And I know it makes you happy when I'm living the way God wants me to live. Come on, just tell him that now. I know it'll make you happy. How about the one of service? Lord, we've all got 24 hours a day. We've all got things we do well. We've all got things, God, that we can do to help people build the kingdom of God. I, I, I want to spend every day of this year serving you. And I don't want it to be like going in a convenience store where I just pick up what my hands can hold. I I don't want it to be like going in a grocery store and picking up a little hand basket and going and getting half a dozen things. I want this year to have a big cart. And I want to go down that aisle. I want to fill the cart with acts of service. I want this year to be a year that makes a difference. Lord, I'm going to ask you today to help me keep my commitment of FaceTime today. Spend some time with you every day because there is nothing 
more important than my relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Here's how we're going to close the service. We're going to have one last song, and I'd ask you to wait until that song is over before you go. But we're going to, during that song, we're going to ask our prayer team to come forwards, and they'll pray with you about anything. But you may want to, some commitment you thought about making today, something you feel like the Lord's told you to do. I tell you what, it's powerful when you seal the deal. I mean, oh, a hamburger's good, but every t- when you put some mustard on, it tastes a little better, or whatever your condiment is. Sometimes you just got to seal the deal and come in to pray with someone about a commitment. It could be powerful. But the most important thing I'd like to pray with many people about today is your personal relationship with God. Let me tell you just a little bit of my story. I, I, I was raised in, a, in the country in Mississippi. There was a little Methodist church close by, and Mom would you know, pretty much make me go. It was so small, the preacher came every other Sunday. Mom would make me go, and I, I learned about Jesus. I, I, I learned about the Bible. I had a Bible at home. And, uh, but it was like my religion was in my head. It never got in my heart. I became a very worldly person. I tried to find happiness. You know, you name it. Alcohol, pot, whatever it is. I tried to find happiness through success. I was pretty smart. I was going to college. I was an athletic scholarship, all those things. But something was missing inside. You can't find happiness and purpose and true peace apart from God. And I I remember my life was kind of structured in such a way that I heard a man. He was a Gideon. I was getting ready to join the Navy to run away from my problems. And he was there and he told me Jesus Christ could change my life. And he offered me a Bible and I took it. He said if I would read it, I'd learn about God. And he taught me what the Bible calls itself the plan of salvation. And I remember it was in a Navy boot camp. It was August 15, 1976. It's the day that changed my life. It was that day I asked God to forgive me and come in my life and be my Lord and Savior. It was that day I made a commitment to follow Jesus. It's like I always knew about Jesus. If the cross represents him, I live my whole life this way. Needs a little help. Thanks. But one day I turned around and started to follow him. And I want you to bow your heads now. Because I wonder if this is your day. I wonder if this is a day that God has ordained from before you were born. That you would make a commitment of your life to Christ. That would bring lasting change and fulfillment. I wonder if this is the day where you need to pray and ask for God's forgiveness for your sins. I wonder if this is the day that you need to ask God to take over in your life be your Savior and Lord. Maybe for some it's the first time you will have ever prayed this prayer. But maybe for others, you've walked with God, but you've gotten away. And today you're coming back to Christ. And you want us to pray for you today. This is between you and God right now. But if you're here today and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want to commit my life to Christ this morning. And I want to do it now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real high and wave it at me? Just lift your hand. Let me be able to pray for you today. God bless you. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. Others, just lift your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, dear. I, I, I'm wanting to get my life right with God today. God bless you. I see your hand. Others, just wave your hand real loud. I see your hand, dear, in the yellow. Sir, I see your hand. Come on, just, I, I, this is between you and God right now. Say, I, I want to get my life right with Christ. I see your hand. I need God's forgiveness. God bless you, buddy. It's the best step you've ever made. God bless you, sir. 
Best step you've ever made. Others that are here today, I'm getting my life right with God today. God bless you too, sir. Again, some for the first time, some Christians aligning their life with God's will. That's right. Give them a big hand. Others today, lift your hand today. Say, Pastor, you're talking to me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, here's how we're going to close. First of all, you that lifted your hand, let me say, I am so proud of you. The Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing when we make what you just did is you say, I'm ready to make this turn and start following Jesus. And listen, we want to pray for you and we want to help you. When this song begins to sing, I'm going to encourage you that lifted your hands to commit your life afresh to Christ. Uh, Slip out of your chair and come to the cross. There's something powerful about the symbolism of walking away from yesterday and walking towards the Christ of the cross. I promise you we won't embarrass you. We will help you. We will pray for you. We'll give you something that talks to you about living this Christian life. Pastor Zach, go ahead and begin to sing now. Our prayer team is coming to the front. They'll be here to pray for anyone. But if you're here making a a commitment to Christ, slip out of your chair. We'll see you at the cross. I love you. Thanks for coming. Next week.